Deep Exploration, Life's Rediscovery. Welcome to Meaningful Conversations. I'm Batya Yaniger. And I'm Tani Burton. Join us as we dive into the big topics and exchange experiences and insights with extraordinary people. Let's uncover together what it truly means to be who we're meant to be. Dr. Surya Shantal has a PhD in clinical psychology and is a renowned logotherapist. She trained as a clinical psychologist in South Africa and studied psychoanalysis at the famous Tavistock Clinic in London. She trained as a logotherapist under the tutorage of the late Dr. Viktor Frankl at the United States International University in San Diego. Her doctorate research with Holocaust survivors was published by the Hebrew University in Jerusalem entitled Life's Meaning in the Face of Suffering. She initiated logotherapy training courses at the University of South Africa, and Taria and I together created training courses in Israel and in Istanbul. She wrote The Quest for Destiny, a logotherapeutic guide to meaning-centered living. Therapy and counseling is a prescribed book for, the, for logotherapy students. Dr. Chantal was nominated for a Jewish Achiever Award in South Africa in 2003 and won different awards at the 2005, 2006, 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2017 World Congresses in Logotherapy for distinguished service in promoting the work of Viktor Frankl by the Viktor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy of the United States and sat on their international board. She is president of the Viktor Frankl Institute for Logotherapy in South Africa and was vice president of the Viktor Frankl Association for Logotherapy in Israel. Her latest book published in 2020 is entitled The Life-Changing Impact of Viktor Frankl's Logotherapy. We use this as a prescribed book for our logotherapy students at the International Logotherapy Institute in Israel. She is at present involved in running internet training courses in logotherapy by the Viktor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy of South Africa. We cannot end this introduction without mentioning that Taria was Tani's and my mentor and guide throughout our logotherapy training and continues to be a source of inspiration in our teaching of logotherapy and in the way we live our life and above all, a dear friend. So we are very, very happy that she is with us today. Thank you. Such a privilege to do that and especially to get the sense of pleasure to see how you've evolved and become totally independent of me running your own wonderful institute. And I congratulate both of you. Great to have you here. Today, we're going to touch upon the theme of surrendering to life. Surrender in a broad sense refers to the act of yielding or relinquishing control, often in the face of uncertainty or a higher power. It involves letting go of resistance, accepting the current circumstances, and allowing a sense of openness to guide one's actions. The concept of surrender is found in various contexts, including spiritual, philosophical, and meditative traditions, where it may signify a willingness to trust, submit, or flow with the natural course of life. 
And as Viktor Frankl beautifully puts it, it is not we who are permitted to ask about the meaning of life. It is life that asks the questions, directs questions at us. We are the ones who are questioned. Discover how surrendering aligns with Frankl's wisdom, making every moment an opportunity to answer life's essential questions. Stay tuned to grasp the profound connection between surrender and finding meaning, just as Frankl encourages us to say yes to life in spite of everything. Welcome to Ria Chantal. Well, I have a question for you, Surya. Hmm. Many times when you teach, you say you had this diary with empty pages in it that you got from your father. And you made this firm decision that we, you were going to do something meaningful with your life. What was that realization like for you? It was a most stunning realization. And let me give you the background to it to uh, demonstrate just how dramatic a life-changing moment that was in my life. I was given this diary by my father some years back before I had won a bursary to go and study at the Tavistock. Um, and from there I went to Viktor Frankl. And he said this to me, fill up your diary with your experiences and your thoughts. And when you come back, you can share them with me. But you know, and this is the moment that I was then with Viktor Frankl, the very first day of his new training at the United States International University in America. Um, that I that 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 very evening of the uh, of his first teaching in that morning, I was contacted by my family to say that my father had had a heart attack and died. Now, the background to the diary he gave me, because do you know? Not a single word was written in that diary up to that point. And I was dramatically con confronted with this fact. I have not recorded my story. My, my book of life was somehow blank. You know, up to that point, I had things written for me. You know what was happening to me, the circumstances I was uh, I were in, um, and but that is not my story. Am I just, you know, this conglomeration of influences that I somehow think about and half-heartedly uh, connect to? Where was I in my story? And then what Frankel taught us that day made riveting sense. He said, imagine, I mean, this, these were his very words. Imagine you had a diary or a calendar where every day you record what has happened to you. What will you write there? Because he said, life comes to us, as Tani said, as a beckoning, as a call. 
um, a call to respond, to give your impression, to, to act upon what you're hearing and seeing and doing something about that situation in terms even of grasp, of learning. But you are involved. And he said, this is the kind of diary or calendar. And if it's a calendar page, if you had lived that day, responding to its opportunities, embracing its experiences, learning from its problems, reaching out to and doing what you are being called to do, even if it is to have an open conversation with somebody sitting next to you at the breakfast table as it happened that morning with me. Um, and if and if there are things that you did or did not do, you can make a note of it to go and correct it the next day. But what he was saying is such an active involvement with your life, answering every situation, being available in every one of its moments. That was not me. I was still searching. I was still thinking. Um, you know, I was still reaching out to something I didn't quite find. My word. And with the death of my father was I confronted. It was like, what am I doing with my life? Am I writing my story? And what kind of story will that be? Will it have a message? Will it have something to say? Will it have make an impact? And uh, was my life worth the living? So it was a tremendous dramatic, um, like Frank will call an existential turnabout, where I actively began to have another attitude of responsibility. I will respond. And I said with such determination to myself after a, 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 a night of weeping and grief about my father. And you know, what was my grief about? The things I didn't do. Uh, that I should have done, and the things that I did that I shouldn't have done. My word, it was such a, 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 a confrontation with my conscience. And as Tani said, our conscience is an awareness of what life is asking from us. It comes, like Frankel said, from the dimension, the dimension of the divine, of the transcendent, of something beyond yourself. And you know, even if you don't believe in God, everyone feels that somehow they have to give an account for what kind of life they lived. You can't escape your conscience. And like Frankel said, the only way that you can escape your conscience is when you trample it underfoot and become totally inhumane. Because to be human is to respond in a accountable way to your life. And then just to end this dramatic story, you know, as I, in the early hours of the morning, I fell asleep and I dreamt that I'd written to my father to apologize, to ask him to forgive me. I would want another chance 
And then I woke up and said, but, but, but she's not there anymore. My word. And then I heard his voice. Isn't it incredible? You can sometimes hear a clear voice from the transcendent. It was the voice of my father. And it came in terms of a kind of a little bit of an angry reprimand. And this is what he said to me. Fuck up your diary. My word. And I had then a determination. I have to know where I'm going and go there. Nothing else would do. Did I know where I was going? No. But like Frankel said, meaning every meaning in your life that you fulfill is like a guidepost. It leads you in the direction as to where you are to go. Did I know I would become a logotherapist for heaven's sakes? That I would be here in Israel right now? That my very heart and my passion that evolved over the years as things became more and more clear to me as in terms of what? My unique destiny and mission in life. And everyone has that. Every single person on earth. We all have what Frankel called the unconscious God. A, a, you know, a, a feeling of being related to the divine or to something or someone beyond ourselves. And we want to connect. We want to obey and surrender and do what life is asking us to do. And if we do that, we fulfill our destiny. You will find my word. I never, you know, at the I'm 84 at the end of my life. And um, when you look back, you see, I was being led. How was I being led? By just responding to the call of every moment of my life. Well. Yeah. So when I think about the kinds of journeys that people are on where they have this list of practices that they, they have to do and exercises and 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 how it's it's just so separate from that kind of engagement that you're you're talking about yeah well you know uh, this here is the great, great secret. Um, it's almost like a command. Remain open. Remain searching. Um, always reach out towards to find. And you will. You know, actually... One of my students remarked on what I had written about this uh, experience I had and the empty book. And she said, but you know, Taria, all your life before you, before that time, led you to that moment. Yeah. And how right she was. Um, you know, like Frankel said, the heart is restless until it has found and realized meaning. And that restlessness of heart should remain, actually, you know. It's like the tension of direction that Frankel said between what is and what should, ought to be. There's always 
a call beyond us. We're always moving forward. And, you know, you're talking about people that living kind of mindlessly. And, oh, um, this is um, the meaning of suffering, that it wakes you, it, it awakens you. It's a wake-up call. Because if you're going, this is the incredible thing, how much we are unconditionally loved. That we will, life will not allow us to go on in the wrong path or in a mindless, complacent kind of way. Something will hit like it did here in Israel. And we are so awakened to the fact that, listen, we've got to course out our destiny in a different way. We were mindlessly at the throats of each other or going about business that really wasn't that important. And, you know, even as a nation, you can be called a, a, like, a, like God originally did in the creation story. Adam, Israel, where are you? So please remain restlessly seeking. And you will find, you will find, Frankel said, meaning is available to everyone. Why? Because it is beyond us. Those are values that, that exist in time immemorial. They're the eternal commandments of a meaningful life. And they're there for everyone. You just have to connect to them. I have a question about, you know, wanting to explore what it takes to become receptive and responsive to life. I know that, I know from experience with you that how questions are, are not usually um, the best ones, the best formulated ones. Um, so it's more of a, it's more of a, an invitation to exploration. So I would like to bring you back to that moment when you were um, contemplating getting in touch with Viktor Frankl, can you describe the inner tug that you experienced when you wrote to Frankl and he answered you? Yeah, that is a very relevant question uh, that follows very nicely out of what we have just said. Um, to remain open. Frankl said we're open vessels. And, you know, the totality of what we are can never be defined by the parts. So we are always seeking this kind of sense of wholeness. You know, there's something beyond me. Um, and, and what I have right now is not enough. There must be more to my life than this. And even if you're impassioned uh, with, with a, a mission that you have, you never can predict how it's going to unfold um, or what the next stages would be. You always remain open. That is a primary commandment um, and to not close your thoughts. And as you asked me now, how do we do that? You know, as I said, if you keep on searching, and what happened to me, you know, I had won that bursary uh, to study in uh, London at, at the Tavistock, the training, the, 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 the most important training center in analysis in the world. That's where 
um, Sigmund Freud uh, had started the work. And I had studied there with his daughter, Anne Freud, and all the great psychoanalysts that were there. And I did learn a tremendous deal. But it was not enough. It was like, you know, I felt that I was somehow involving myself with something that closed me in. And, and I had a, a distinct feeling that life was somehow passing me by because I was so involved in a specific thing and it wasn't quite me. That's why it closed me up. It wasn't quite me. I was not meant to be a psychoanalyst, okay? It's a wonderful work that they do, but that's not me. It didn't fit with me. And that is why that prompting came of a restlessness. And I remembered very distinctly that in my philosophy uh, final years, we studied the works of Viktor Frankl. And I was always challenged because I was psychoanalytically trained as a clinical psychologist forever saying, and now what do you say to this? You know, you think you're determined by childhood influences, but what about this that Viktor Frankl said that we can turn every situation into something meaningful. We're not captured by anything. You're captured in psychoanalysis, my professor said to me. It hurt me very much. But he was right. So, what in that restlessness of my training in psychoanalysis then was the prompting? Hey, hey, wait a moment. What about Viktor Frankl? Right? You know, that's, it, it, each one has a unique prompting. That was my prompting. Okay, but I'm just illustrating it. You, when you don't feel that you belong somewhere and you're not quite at home and you feel that be, you're being shut off from something that you're looking for, move out and go on looking. And that's what I did. So I wrote to Viktor Frankl thinking I want to switch my training to logotherapy. But, you know, I wrote to him and I thought, you're crazy, you're crazy. Uh, he's, he's only teaching in German in Vienna. You don't know German. What are you asking him to come and study with him for? But here's the incredible thing. You act on what a prompting that comes to you and you reach out, you put it out there, and life comes to meet you. Because what happened? I got a letter back from Frankel. He said, yes, you're right. You can't train with me because you don't know German here in Vienna. But I invite you, listen to this, to my first English training at United States International University in San Diego, and I invite you to join me there. <laughs> the you know, right at that moment, that was the time he was starting a training center in English. Right now, isn't that incredible? You know, I was floored. My God, you reach out to life and life will meet you. You want to connect with your destiny. And so 
what what a riveting demonstration of how open we must be first of all to our hearts promptings listen to your heart listen to the unconscious god in you listen listen and then put your ear to your life where is it that you've been prompted to go where is it that your heart is nudging you towards listen to your heart you know as Jews we said you know um god works in and through us in and through us it's it's a divine calling it's a calling that makes a a great uh change in the world and this is what we called upon to do to overcome everything that causes depression and hurt and 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 anguish and um and and maladjustment and and malfunctioning um and can lead to abject evil we have to overcome that and we overcome it by choosing in the right way you know this is it choose this day every day whom you will choose life and blessing or death and cursing do you want to throw away your humanity you want to throw away your life what about making the right choices you know like frankel said and here's another thing he said every situation has got only one answer because it comes to us like a question like tani said like a call adam where are you i will question you god said to job and you will answer me so you like for like like otani also said it's not what life ex- uh, what we expect from life you know i want to plan and manipulate my life forget about it forget about that because it's not going to work no we make it's those what- choices based on manipulation and you know and and i'm going to force this to work and so forth um but we're not listening first to those that's promptings right. that, that's you know what happening. uh in uh, um uh tani i was remarking to tani how much wiser he looks and and he said it's because i'm becoming dumber and dumber every year tani you're so right i become oh, I was, smaller I, 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 and smaller <laughs> we become smaller and smaller every year and our lives become bigger and bigger why because we reflect universal value something much bigger than we are and that is where we find our identity like frankel said if uh, uh, we almost holy ourselves when we are so involved with something or someone outside of ourselves that we totally forget about ourselves you know but don't talk about me let's talk about what's important what we can share boy that makes me feel real but if you if you have to you know try and work out that you become important oh please oh it's so ugly and it's so futile and you just close yourself off from life in doing that in trying to 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 become somebody big and important please you are big and important but you've got to find where you become big and important okay uh you can't manipulate your life i mean let me ask you a simple question did you give birth to yourself hmm? 
And can you stop yourself from dying? Uh-uh. So what? Life is given to you as a once given precious opportunity, a book of life in which you have to write a story that testifies to the fact that you surrendered to something and someone bigger than yourself, that you were part of a bigger picture. And boy, how glorious to see that end result that you were part of. But if you wanted to go and 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 and, and do your own thing, you're outside of the picture. You're not fitting in. Yeah. Ter- Teria, I, I hope I can explain this well enough, but um, it seems to me that people look to uh, a higher power, whether they want to call it God or something else, as, you know, okay, this is going to tell me what I need to do. This is going to give me the guidance um, in the Aww. same way that, and then manipulate that, you know, and try to control uh, the, the their environment based on that. The same way people control it by trying to, you know, do their own uh, their own thing uh, without thinking, uh, without without listening first, as I said. Um, well, you were we actually... Really do, yeah. Wait, wait, just let, let me just finish a little bit more. So what we really need to do is to realize that that voice that's coming to us from transcendence is speaking to us through our life. It mm-hmm. always comes through our life. And, and that's why uh, logotherapy is good for as you you always use the word for the whosoever you know because whatever your orientation your culture your religion it's it's all a matter of what's coming to you how life is inviting you and so i i i'd like to ask you what does it mean to you personally to have unconditional faith and unconditional meaning that you can be open to that uh, meaning that's coming to you because it's you you believe it's always coming to you it's always there right um well you know think about love if you really love someone you're unconditionally there for them and why do you love them why do you love them because somehow they have seen you uh, as you really could be everything that you were meant to be like frankl said love is to realize the uniqueness of the other now you know think about what you're saying at when you said in the beginning that you know we can so easily go to set answers please 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 don't make up your mind and say, this is it, don't. What we are uh, reaching out towards is so much greater than we can ever know, okay? Like Franco said, to God, you can only pray. Don't drag him down and make a religion out of him that then becomes prescriptive, and now I'm doing what somebody else is telling me to do. Like Frankel said, religion is profoundly personal. It's your answer to a voice that comes to you. And why do you love that voice? Because it sees you. Because it loves you. 
Frankel said, uh, the uh, what we all need is unconditional faith and the unconditional meaningfulness of life that is predicated upon our unconditional worth. My word, uh, what do we make of God if we make him some punitive figure that, that requires that we do this, that, and the other uh, before we, we are pleasing to him? We are pleasing to him. And he wants us to respond to that call of love. I see you. I've created you for my glory. You be what I have created you to be. And you'll become fully everything that you could ever have wanted in life you will get. Like Franco said, what's the use of uh, going after piety or uh, self-realization, you know, self uh, um uh, what is the word that uh, that um, self-actualization self uh, you know or uh, running after this uh, glorified hero or pop star or that one please 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 stop it listen this is the core of of judaism hear oh israel listen 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 there's a one and only that looks at you as a one and only Boy, such a such a uh, a God we cannot else but love. Oh boy, and you know what? We're so filled with that love that we, you know, I'm thinking of you, um, Batya. You're such an example of this. When once you said, "Oh, please, please let me do something that's good. I want to do. I want. Where can I do it?" You so spill over. You want to serve, and you get impassionate about serving. And that's all you want to do. You take the glory of yourself and put the glory where it's supposed to be. And then you reflect that glory and you become someone to really look up to as a role model. That people will love. Oh, it's so wonderful when you hear somebody saying, I love you. Why do they love you? See? You know what? Uh... When God told Abraham to uh, leave his land and his family and go to the, the land that I will show you, you know, and he didn't tell him where he was going. No. Uh, you know, so there, there's a commentary that says that that uh, God speaks to everyone all the time. And you know, yes. it was just that Abraham heard it. That was the That's difference it. Between him he and heard that. You know what? I bought you. That is why God chose Abraham. Um, there's such a wonderful uh, uh, portion in the in the uh, prophet Zechariah that says, God's eyes look throughout all the earth to see if he could find a reflective person, someone who seeks God. Someone that says, you know, no, wait a moment. What is this all I'm supposed to be? Or must you know, like Frankel said, the, the, the two things that really destroy our uniqueness is conformity that I've got to do what I'm told to do, uh, you know, or I'm doing what everybody else is doing. Wait a moment, where are you? So, that that is the magnificence of that call, um, to say, listen, listen. Listen to how much I love you. I want you to experience my love for you. I, you were in my mind 
long before the world was created. I knew you before the foundation of the world, and I brought you into being for a purpose. Oh, to find that purpose and direction in your life. I want to say this. You know, uh, people are so afraid of religion. And in fact, David, my husband David said, he, he, in the world to come, there will be, be no religion. <laughs> there will only be relationships. Oh, oh, not religion. Because religion is so often man-made, according to man's understanding. Wait a moment, your understanding is limited. Please, please. You know, um, you want to be taught by something that goes beyond you so that you can spiritually grow towards it. Why, why, why limit yourself and, and shut yourself off within a strict type of religious persuasion? You know, you want you only shut other people out. That's all you do. And, me, and meaning is there for everyone. We should open the doors of our own spirits and reach out to the world, to everyone. The only ones we will stand up against are those who want to close us in and who actually want to destroy us because our testimony is the end of evil in this world. And boy, this is uh, this is quite something to realize, you know, that, that my life isn't just about having a good life. <laughs> Being happy, oh God, my life is about being in love with life and that I will lay down my life for the sake of life, like, you know, our soldiers here are doing. I mean, I weep every day for the glory of these young men that are prepared to lay down their lives to die because they're protecting family, because they're protecting family values, because they're protecting what is sacred and good. That's the highest form of spiritual maturity you can ever reach, okay? The idea of logotherapy even though it is not um, expressed as such, is something that you will find really in every in every self help manual, every self personal development book, every seminar, every motivational lecture. There's always a reference to the idea of between stimulus and response. There is a space, etc. Right? You'll find that everywhere. Uh, sometimes it's through the, through a story of Viktor Frankl. Sometimes it's through um, an idea related to proactivity, let's say. I, you know, very few of these people ever met the man himself. Although we can see what an incredible influence he's had. But you had a personal relationship with Viktor Frankl. And you were his student, not just in terms of his ideas, but of the man himself. So would you please gift us with some of your impressions? What have you learned from your personal relationship with Viktor Frankl? The biggest thing I learned was the impact that he's 
person made on me. Um, that was what fascinated me. Um, and, you know, he, uh, the, the training that he gave at the time that I was his student uh, was called The Meaning of Suffering. And um, he related his Holocaust experiences. And that is what attracted me. What is it that he described as the defiant power of the human spirit that even in the worst circumstances can rise up in protest against what is wrong? Like he said, suffering makes you aware of what ought not to be. And in his Holocaust experiences, you know, I'll, I'll use that example because that is where he taught me, where he was uh, like a guidepost, like a role model, like, you know, we are, we are to become people that others would want to emulate, but not to become us, but to go on the way that we're going. What has he found? Well, I also want to find that. It's not the person that you, that you, that you, uh, um, elevate. It's what he stands for, what he's achieved. Uh, um, that is what draws you. And the when he described that that one experience, we actually saw his whole destiny unfolding before him when he was walking along, so starved and suffering from typhoid. And so in, in the miserable camp situations that only spelt death all day long, and uh, everything that was done to abrogate life. And, you know, he was, he was caught in the misery of it. And, you know, he's thinking, oh, I wish I could get a piece of wire just to tie up my shoe that's too big and that is causing the chafing of my my uh, uh, ankle and making it so painful or will there be a little bit of turnip in the soup tonight and maybe the workmaster tomorrow won't be as cruel as the one today all sort of miserable um uh, thoughts about just mere survival um you know how how can i and then he said he got angry with himself, with his own thoughts that are, you know, and with the circumstances that forced his thoughts to go down to such a low level. And he he made the the uh, the effort to to elevate his spirit, and then he saw himself standing on a platform in a well lit auditorium. Uh, where people were sitting in comfortable upholstered chairs, listening to him, giving an exposition of his experiences in the death camps. And you know, that's exactly what he did when he was, like he said, it's not whether you survived or not. The best did not survive. But if you survive, you've got a survivor responsibility. 
having become aware what should not be your focus should be on what should be. Like he said, what man is, he is not yet, but ought to be and should become. And that was his whole ministry after his release from the camps. And that's how I met him, standing on the platform of this wonderfully well-lit auditorium. And I was sitting in a comfortable upholstered seat and I was riveted about what he was telling us. And I was provoked in so many ways. For one thing, for one thing, to start off with, you know, I became so interested in the defiant power of the human spirit among the Jewish Holocaust survivors that that is a book that I that I did my doctorate on, okay? Life's Meaning in the Face of Suffering, the Testimony of Holocaust Survivors, of which he was one. But one of the survivors said this to me, and this is the message he gave over to me. My dear... This is what you must learn in life. Never give up. Never give up hope. Because if you do, you'll have it. And how many survivors of Holocaust uh, inmates died out of despair? Sheer despair. And our spirits die when we don't have hope. That's why logotherapy is a therapy of hope. It's to awaken every one of our clients, our students, to say your life has meaning. And the meaning is to overcome what makes you feel hopeless and depressed and to turn that adversary into a spiritual triumph. Learn from it and have compassion for those who feel that way, that you can go and help them. And that is what Frankel did to me. And well, another thing, <laughs> I'm 84. Never give up. Frankel said, you only fully yourself on the last day of your life. Okay? You grow until then. You don't stop growing. And he died at 92 under the operating, um, in the operating theater after a, a heart attack with what? <laughs> the publication of his book, The Unconscious God, in the new um, translation, which he then called Man's Search for Ultimate Meaning. That's it. We're searching for ultimate meaning, for a life beyond this one, for the ultimate realization of all that is good and true and beautiful in life. And it will happen. And that's why if you die in that way, with like he did with a, with a book, Man's Search for Ultimate Meaning on his chest, you leave behind such a legacy, such a legacy of hope and inspiration. And that's what he did to me. So, you know, I feel I'm actually at the peak of my life. I, 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 I'm not retiring, getting older and older and more dilapidating. This, the, the more dilapidated I've become, the stronger my spirit in, in its dependence upon, wow, so what if this outer body is decaying? I'm growing spiritually. 
and I'm going to break through the barriers of death itself in having overcome its effects in my own life. That's it. That's it. Well, so I think you answered the last question already of what uh, message do you have for young people today? <laughs> but maybe you have something to add. Oh, my, you know, I used to say this to my students. You know, I, I, I was a developmental psychologist and traced the optimal personality development through all the different life stages. And, you know, Jung saying uh, maturity is the prize of the Middle Ages. Yes, we gain in wisdom. But then I said to my young students, for heaven's sakes, please, youth belongs to the young. You're at the stage of your greatest mental capacity in terms of vibrancy and physical health. You're, you know, from here on, it's a slow physical decline. But for heaven's sakes, why don't you embrace your life right now? Why must you only come to kind of a realization later in your life? Why? Do it now. You know, it's so wonderful. Uh, it's actually a, a command in Scripture and Ecclesiastes uh, by, by Solomon, the, the wisest man that ever lived. And he said, young people, enjoy your youth. Enjoy it. Life is beautiful. It's there to be experienced in its beauty, in its goodness, in its truth. Enjoy it. Be happy while you are still young. Do what you want to do and follow your heart. But remember that you will be held accountable for what you do. That's the yardstick for the young people. Uh, you know, Samuel, my son, when he came to Israel, he wrote, and I was still in South Africa, he wrote back to me, he said, Mommy, thank you for making me happy. And I am happy when I make you happy. You've given me the capacity to enjoy every moment of life. Now, this is it. You can even be joyful in suffering. Even, you know, like our soldiers, that they are so motivated. So, you know, if the, the, the death of their comrades only motivate them in memory of them to even be more on the forefront of winning a victory against evil. And, you know, that joy in suffering, my word, isn't that incredible? That is, you know, it's, it's, uh, that is what, what can be so inspiring for our youth. You know, our soldiers are all 18, 19, 20, 21. Young men that will do everything to preserve their families, to preserve their nation, to preserve all that the Jewish people stand for. And we are the people of the book. We are the people of God's name. We are to reflect that glory to the whole earth. And it's a very active involvement. So young people, don't waste your life on distractions. And don't become self-opinionated because that's the big trap. Oh, come and do, you know, give yourself to this cause or that cause, and it makes you feel so powerful. Don't. That's a false power. 
That's a very false power. And it will lead you astray. Think for yourself. And think morally, deeply. What is right? What is wrong? And side yourself with right. And give yourself to what is right. And that is the way that you will. You know, you, you know how Messiah is described in the Psalms? In Psalm 110, is, uh, Hashem, God said to Messiah, and that's why he's the Messiah, you retain the dew-like freshness of your use. You didn't throw it away. You didn't uh, give it over to what would spoil and harm it and disfigure it. You, you remained utterly humane, giving your life for all. That is the glory. You retain the dew-like freshness of your years. So keep that innocence, that beauty and purity of spirit, because this is what Frankl said. Our spirits are unscathed. They're beautiful, beautiful. Don't lose that spirit while you are young. Give it to your life and don't be like me. Uh, that have an that had an empty book, uh, an empty diary, and needed to, through suffering, be awakened to the fact that I wasn't living my life in the way I should. Fill up your diary now. Thank you, Tamia. Uh, every single time I hear you, I am uh, inspired over and over and over again. I feel that do like. Um, life-giving force coming, you know, just just emanating from you and, and entering me, uh, you know, each time more, more and more. Great, my beloved. I love you both so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, if anyone has any uh, comments or questions for Dr. Chantal, anything you want to uh, express to us, uh, you can write to Batia.yaniger at gmail.com, B-A-T-Y-A dot Y-A-N-I-G-E-R at gmail.com. Let's take a moment to talk about valuable opportunities available for logotherapeutic training. For those eager to explore personal growth, Dr. Tria Chantal is actively involved with the Victor Frankl Institute of South Africa, offering a dedicated course entitled Logotherapy for Optimal Living. Dive into the enriching offerings by visiting the Victor Frankel Institute of South Africa's website at vfisa.com. Also, the Victor Frankel Institute of Israel presents a diverse array of courses. Take a moment to explore them at themeaningseeker.org, where Batya provides insights into the various offerings. Feel free to reach out to Batya at batya dot yaniger at gmail.com that's b-a-t-y-a dot y-a-n-i-g-e-r at gmail.com for further details in this meeting dr tria chantal shared her personal journey of self-discovering and finding her true calling she reflected on her experience studying psychoanalysis in london and realizing that it wasn't the right path for her prompted by a restlessness she recalls the teachings of Viktor Frankl and decides to switch her training to logotherapy. 
And we learned about a series of remarkable events where she ended up studying with Viktor Frankl himself in San Diego. It was the first English language logotherapy course taught by Dr. Frankl, happening right at the time when she was seeking it. The conversation shifted to a, a discussion of the influence of logotherapy and the idea of finding meaning. Dr. Chantel shared her impressions of Viktor Frankl and gave us a sense of his impact and the idea of the defiant power of the human spirit. And I think that what we've come out is really the imperative of embracing life and finding joy while remaining accountable for one's own actions, really making use of the time that we have here on earth. But in order to do that, we have to listen to our hearts and we have to pursue our true calling, which is not something that we necessarily determine ourselves. I think that Viktor Frankl said that we detect rather than select our purpose in life. And so that's something that can be called a true calling. And, of course, not to leave out the importance of finding meanings in life's challenges, no matter where we are in our lives. It was wonderful to have you here, Taria. It felt like the old days when we sat around in your living room at, in, the, in the first cohort of the Viktor Frankl Institute in Israel. And it's always refreshing, always inspiring. Thanks for joining us on Meaningful Conversations. Be sure to catch our upcoming episodes as we dive into more intriguing topics. Don't miss out. Hit that like button, subscribe, and share your thoughts on your preferred podcast platform. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, keep the conversation going.